Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Well, preaching on holidays makes me nervous. Um, Mother's Day, maybe most of all. Uh, There are so many emotions, and Jordan alluded to this too when he opened the service. There's so many emotions different emotions around this day, so many different situations, so many different relationships people have or have had with their mothers. And then too many times we preach messages that paint with really broad strokes. Sometimes they seem like they're based on the faulty assumption that all mothers are the same. And sometimes even the myth that there is a such thing as a perfect mother. So Perfect moms, if you're here today, you just go on and drift on off to sleep, all right? You just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep being your perfect self with your perfect kids in your perfect life. This message is not really for you, okay? This message is for the real moms, okay? The real moms, the ones for whom life has not been perfect or easy or predictable, The moms who are raising kids who are hard to raise. The ones who are not cooperating, right? The ones who are trying to to mother in troubled or trying circumstances. Those are the moms that I'm speaking to today. So today I want to look at four different moms in the Bible and see if we can find some encouragement, some help, some hope for the real moms out there. Now what struck me was that these four moms have something in common, and it is Egypt. They have Egypt in common. So two of them were Egyptian and two of them were Hebrew women living in Egypt. So because of that link and because I may never get another chance to name a message this, this message is called Walk Like an Egyptian (laughs) Mother. Walk Like an Egyptian Mother. Okay, so let's let's get into it today. Genesis Uh, chapter 16. Genesis 16. uh, Please nobody panic, but we're going to read the whole chapter. (laughs) I can just feel the excitement building. All right. So Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, and if I say Sarah or Abraham, it's referring to the same person. Um, So they had not been able to bear, she had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, the, the, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Uh, can y'all look at each other and say, that's not how that works. Okay. Uh, and Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So uh, Sarah, Abram's wife, took uh, Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So uh, Abram had sexual relations with Hagar. She became pregnant. When Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. (laughs) Men be very, very quiet right now. Um, 
I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. So she treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to shore. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? <laughs> She's apparently the grandmother of Cotton Eye Joe, right? <laughs> Sorry. Just right there. Um, she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. She replied, and the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you're now pregnant and you'll give birth to a son. You're going to name him Ishmael, which means God hears for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He'll raise his fist against everyone. Everyone will be against him. Yes, he'll live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God. Please please read this with me. You are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So the well was named, uh, was named something in Hebrew that I can't pronounce, which means the well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son. Abram named him Ishmael. He was 86 when Ishmael was born. So there, there's so much to unpack in this passage of Scripture, but I want to focus on the Egyptian servant girl, Hagar. Nothing is said of the circumstances surrounding why Hagar had been sold into slavery in the first place. But you can be sure of this, nobody is a slave who has a choice. Suffice it to say that life was not going according to plan for Hagar. Some of you, are, some of you moms can relate to that. When you were a little girl, you had dreams, goals, visions. Pretty early in life you realize that life had just taken a left turn and some of the goals that you had set for yourself were probably not within reach anymore. Hagar was stuck in a situation that was pretty hopeless. There didn't seem to be a path towards freedom for her. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people who are feeling that way today, hopeless. I want you to hear me today if you don't hear anything else. God sees you. God sees you, and we see you. If this is your first time here, or if you've been a few times, but you're still trying to figure out what we're all about, maybe you're watching online or you're listening on the podcast, and you're trying to figure out maybe if you even want to come in person, listen to me today. God sees you, and we see you. You are not invisible. Your, your situation, your struggle is not invisible. Your pain is not invisible. You're, you, because you matter to God, you matter to us. This is not a place for perfect people. It's a place for real people. Don't miss the fact that God saw her in the midst of her hopeless situation and he was present with her in the middle of it. 
you, mom, you don't, you don't go find God once you get everything figured out. You don't invite him in once you've straightened up the hot mess that is your life. You invite him right into the middle of it. He sees you. He's waiting on you to call on him and to invite him in. Hagar found God in a brand new way that up until that point, nobody had ever, at least never named him that. She said, I've found a God, the God who sees me. Listen, almost nobody argues with the fact that God is a great big God. The rub is that he's a great big God, but he can see little old you. That's, that's the surprise for people. And he not only sees you, he knows you, and he understands you, and he's present with you, even in the midst of your suffering and your difficulty. Don't wait to invite him in, Mom. He sees you today. I also want to point out that Hagar became a mom through less than ideal circumstances. As a matter of fact, she had no say-so in the matter. She was an unwilling participant in the event that led to her motherhood. I told you we were going to be real today. Not every mom sitting in this room had a voice in it. Or maybe you had a voice, you just didn't have a plan for what was about to happen. But now, here you are. Listen, mom, regardless of the circumstance of his or her conception, this child may have been a surprise to you, but it was no surprise to God. This child may be the only good thing that came from whatever it was that happened to you. One thing's for sure, it wasn't the child's fault. So when you see that child, see the goodness of God in their little face. And realize that God is still the God who sees. He saw the panic and he sees your pain. He knows how conflicted you've been, even in the midst of your deep love for your child. He sees it all, and he's not put off by it. There's no blame. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Just run to him and let him help. And you can find him here today. And before we leave Hagar's story, please note what God said about the disposition and the temperament of the child that she was about to raise. This son of yours will be a wild man. I'm sure Hagar said, well, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, please don't raise your hands and please don't point to the child. But some of you real moms already know what it's like to try to raise an untamed wild donkey. Right? And the experience is very similar for moms who are raising kids with special needs, with exceptionalities especially the ones that aren't visible from the outside. Well, guess what? God knew about Ishmael's behavior, and he was still there for Hagar. He didn't say, once you get that kid under control, I might be able to help you. He was there for her the whole time. And guess what? He knows about your wild child. 
or your exceptional child or your struggling child. And he will be there for you too. He doesn't just see you. He knows how hard this is on you. He knows you feel judged. He knows you feel like you're doing something wrong. Stop beating yourself up today, mom. Lean into your relationship with the God who sees you. If you're doing something wrong, if you're open and honest and asking him, he'll show you. Otherwise, just depend on him to get you through. We need all kinds of people in this world. So that means not all of them are going to be picture-perfect little social media models. If I could shut down social media right now, just turn the key, throw it away, melt it down, I would. Listen, moms, give yourself some grace and just go with, go with what you got. The pictures are more entertaining anyway when there's one of them dirty and wild-eyed and upside-down and backwards. Take it from the little Egyptian girl, Hagar. God is a God who sees you and your kids. And he's there to get you through. Here's the next two Egyptian mothers we can walk like. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. We're going to read the last verse in chapter 1 and then read the the next 10 in chapter 2. Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw away newborn Hebrew boys. Uh, Throw every, sorry, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. But let the girls live. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket. She laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. So Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess, I'm assuming the attendants were there to find the crocodiles. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess Hey, should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do that, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, the mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The first woman we need to talk about is not an Egyptian. She's kind of the mirror image of Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian slave to the patriarch of the Hebrews. This woman is a Hebrew slave in the land of Egypt. We find out later that her name is Jacobed. Not only was she bringing a child into a life of slavery... But there had been an order given that required all the Hebrew boys to be killed at birth. When she saw her little son, uh, Moses, when he was born, she knew she couldn't keep him. 
She didn't know what the future would be for him as she crafted a little basket. But she did, knew, she did know one thing for sure, to try to keep him and raise him herself in those circumstances would be the worst thing she could have done. It would have been a death sentence. Some of you ladies know the pain of that gut-wrenching choice. To surrender your child to a system over which you have no control must feel like putting them in a basket and floating them down a river. I've heard a lot of people say over the years, I'm sure you have too, I don't know how anybody could give up their child for someone else to raise. It's a comment born out of ignorance. I know lots of ladies who made that impossible choice. And they were motivated by the same thing that made Jacobed put Moses in the basket. Love. It was love that made her face the reality that she could not raise him in that environment. It was love that gave her the creativity to give him a fighting chance. It was love that made her put him in that little basket and put him in the reeds along the bank of the river. Listen, I don't know the circumstances you brought your child into, but if you allowed him or her to be raised by someone else who could provide a better life for them, don't hang your head. Don't allow guilt or shame to swallow you up on Mother's Day. You gave that child life and then you loved him or her enough to give them a fighting chance. Yes, it's emotionally complicated for you, for the child. But sometimes it's the only way. And I, for one, applaud you for having the courage to do what's best for your child. God blessed Jochebed and gave her another chance to spend a little bit more time with Moses than she would have had otherwise thanks to the quick thinking of his big sister, Miriam. Eventually, the time came for her to let him go. Listen, if you get the chance to be involved in your child's life at some point in the future, take it. Take it as the blessing that it is and enjoy every minute of it. Understand there'll be boundaries and and be respectful of those boundaries. But it can be a great thing for all of you if you do it right. Thank you for loving your child, Mom. Jacobed, uh, Hebrew in Egypt, is definitely a, a mom that you can walk like. I'll tell you one person who was not upset that Jacobed put Moses in the basket, Pharaoh's daughter. She's the other Egyptian mom in this passage. The Bible never even gives her name. There are some really interesting theories historically about who she might be. She came down to the river to bathe when she discovered Moses in the basket. She immediately knew that he was a Hebrew boy and also knew immediately why he was there. Despite her privileged upbringing, she understood the times that they were living in and she understood the situation that the Hebrew women must have been in. Now, I say this with all the love that I can muster and I am, I'm 53 years old and I've been in church nine months before I was born, okay? Church people can be the most cruel and judgmental people in the world. (laughs) They are sometimes intentionally ignorant. Listen, I don't care how holy you are or think you are, you have to have some understanding of the world around you. 
And I mean the real world. Right? Not everything is as clear cut as you would like to think it is. Not everything is neat and easy as your middle class life has taught you it is. We have to develop some love and some empathy for people whose lives might look a little bit different than ours and who face choices that we can't even imagine making. Pharaoh's daughter immediately understood the situation and she took steps to actually do something about it instead of just standing around and judging and criticizing. Some of you are, are, are here to, who are here today are adoptive moms. Some of you are foster moms. Some of you are stepmoms. Some of you are, are family members who have stepped in to help in a difficult situation. I know this is going to sound self-serving if you know our story, but I can back it up with Scripture. Thank God for mothers who are willing to share their love with children who do not share their biology. Thank God for foster moms, for adoptive moms. I hear people say it all the time, oh, I don't think I could do that. Well, sure you can. Sure you can. God gives you the grace to do anything he calls you to. It's, it's way easier and way harder than you can imagine. People have said in the last few years, John, there's just such a difference in you and Valerie. Y'all just, in the last few years, y'all have just changed so much. The change started in July 2016, the moment we opened the door to uh, our first two foster kids. Good Lord. Ooh, I didn't know that was going to be that hard to say. <clears throat> Over four years of uh, fostering, we had a total of eight kids. We adopted the last three we had. Next week will be uh, Saturday. It'll be three years, our three-year anniversary of Gotcha Day, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, it's the greatest self-improvement course you will ever take. It is the greatest spiritual growth journey you will ever take. You know, the book of James says that you measure the purity of your connection to Jesus. You know how, how he says you do that? It's not just in your righteous living. It's in how you take care of widows and orphans. That's James one twenty-seven, by the way. The Bible is about, um, it, has, it talks about taking care of widows and orphans all the time. Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible is just full of references to that. Do you know why God is so concerned about orphans? Because he's an adoptive parent. Ephesians 1. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do. And it great, gave him great pleasure. God's an adoptive dad. And guess what? You're the adopted kid. You're never more like the heavenly father than when you share your love with someone who doesn't belong to you. And there's another layer to this story as well. Moses wasn't just different uh, socioeconomically. He, he wasn't just different politically. He was a different race than Pharaoh's daughter. Abraham was the father of the Hebrews, and he came from Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia. That's modern-day Iran. 
For most of us in the West, we'd say, well, they're all Middle Eastern. (laughs) That's not how that works. I promise you an Egyptian can spot an Iranian in a second. So when Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses in that basket, she knew she wasn't committing to raising Moses on the down low. Everybody who saw him knew immediately that ain't her kid. That adds a whole nother level of complexity to the situation. Our first two foster, boy, foster kids, the two boys that I was just reminiscing about, were biracial. Dad was black, mom was white. If you think racism is dead in 2023, you are grossly ignorant of the real world. Grossly ignorant. We saw it with our own eyes. We've raised white kids. And we've, we've helped to raise biracial kids, and it ain't the same world. When you foster or you adopt a child of a different race, it is complicated for you, and it's complicated for them. But I'm going to say it again. Thank God for moms who are willing to face prejudice and racism and discrimination and side-eye glances and snide comments. Snide comments disguised as jokes. And all the other things in order to share a mother's love with a child who needs it. And think about this. Moses is considered the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. The one who led the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. Now listen, I understand the sovereignty of God and that the plans of God are are going to be fulfilled, but just don't go too far down that hypothetical rabbit hole just yet. Just think about this. What would have happened to the Jewish people if there hadn't been a woman who loved him enough to adopt him as her own and a woman who loved him enough to let him go? You want to walk like an Egyptian mom? Be a foster mom. Or an adoptive mom. Here's one more mom with a connection to Egypt that might be a little surprising. Matthew chapter 2. I know it's not December, but we can still read Matthew chapter 2. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up and flee to Egypt. Well, how about that? With the child and his mother, the angel said, stay there till I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child, that's Jesus, and Mary, his mother. Now look at verses 19 through 23. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, appeared to Joseph uh, in a dream in Egypt. He said, get up, take the child. Like, why couldn't the angel come up while Joseph was, was awake? Why he got to wake, wake him up and stuff? He said, get up, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. And when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. So uh, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the, prof- what the, the prophets had said, he'll be called a Nazarene. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Maybe the most celebrated mother in all the world 
had to walk like an Egyptian mom. The Bible isn't clear how long they stayed. But at least for some amount of time, Mary and Joseph and Jesus lived in Egypt. She raised Jesus in Egypt for a little while. John, why, of all the things you could talk about, Mary, why not the, the Magnificat? Why not the wonderful qualities that made her the right choice for this honor? Because sometimes, this is what I want you to see, sometimes no matter how pure and righteous and holy and innocent and obedient you are, there will come a time in your life when it seems like over the course of one night, Your life gets upended and you find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be. There are centuries of animosity between Egypt and Israel and for good reason. She just gave birth to the Son of God for crying out loud. Of all the places in the world that she thought she might wind up, Egypt was not even on the list. And yet, there she was. Moms, I know you've tried. I know you've done everything in your power to live for God and make the right choices. I know you may have married a good man who takes care of you. I know you've got good kids and you thought you deserved better from life. But sometimes life starts in the promised land and winds up in Egypt. Somehow. What Egyptian wilderness are you in today? Here's what I want you to know God is still a God who sees you, He knows you, He knows where you are, He knows you aren't happy about Egypt, but sometimes Egypt is the best option. He sent them to Egypt on purpose. Sometimes you have to trust that he knows what he's doing. You have to trust that it's going to work together for your good and that it's not going to last forever. No amount, please hear this Christian people, no amount of praying was going to change their address or shorten the season. It was Egypt season for a reason, and until that reason was satisfied, they weren't going anywhere. And that's not the cruelty of God, that's the love of God, even when you can't see it. Listen, mom, the biggest battle that you're going to face is right here between your ears. Getting your mind wrapped around the facts of your new circumstance. At some point, you just got to stand up and look around at your, take in your new scenery and just say, well, if we're in Egypt, I might as well learn to walk like an Egyptian, right? Here's what we all know. Despite appearances, despite efforts at conveying the contrary, there are no perfect moms. There's no perfect life. Motherhood is, a not, is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. Everybody does it a little differently, and that's a beautiful thing. There ain't nothing wrong with that. No matter what the circumstances are surrounding your particular brand of motherhood, whether you fell into it, were forced into it, 
or you jumped in with both feet. Whether life is going according to plan or you can't even find your plan. Whether you loved your child enough to let someone else raise them or you're raising someone else's child. You're a mom. You're a mom. It's still your day. And we still celebrate you. And what's true of these four Egyptian women, these mothers, is true for you today. God sees you. He knows you. He understands. And he's with you through it all. Let me read you two scriptures in closing today. Psalm 56, verse 8. The psalmist is crying out to God in the midst of a difficult circumstance. And he said this to the Lord. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. This is, the, this is the, the scene where Jesus, the Lamb of God, is opening the scroll. He took the scroll. Jesus took the scroll. And the, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp. And they had a gold bowl. They had, they had gold bowls, more than one, filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. 24 bowls of your prayer. When the word says that he sees you and he knows you and he's with you, it's to that extent. He collects your tears in a bottle. He has a record book of your sorrows. He has a bowl of your prayers. Every tear you've cried over your kids, mom, Every sorrow that's associated with the season that you're in or the season your kids are in. Every prayer that you've thrown heavenward when this world was being cruel to you and your emotions were everywhere, God saw it and he heard it and he collected it and he recorded it every time. And if you're in a place right now where you got some more tears you need to shed, or pray some more prayers or confess some more sorrows he's listening and he's watching so get yourself to the arms of a loving father today because you are not doing this by yourself y'all stand with me please So, Mom, how's it going? Like, for reals, how's it going? All right? If you need to come and pray today, come and pray. And everybody, not just moms, this altar's open. It's always open. If there's anything going on in your life that you need to pray about, come pray about it. If you've got a big decision to make and, and you just want to make sure that you're on the right track, come pray about that. you've got a need in your body that you want to pray about, come pray about that. Whatever it is that you need to bring to the Lord, you are welcome to come. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. They're going to sing one more song. And if you'll just hang in here with me, we're going to get out in just a minute and go do all the things that you got planned today. But I, I can't think of anything that's going to be more important than you and your, and your connection, your relationship with the Lord.
So let's just hang out for a second and hear what it is the Lord has to say to us today. All right? Father, thank you for for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that your word is not just full of platitudes and, and beautiful poetry. But Lord, it deals with the reality of the lives that we actually live here in the real world. And I thank you that you didn't edit all of that out of the Bible. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit has, has been given to us who know you to lead us and guide us to your truth and to draw us back to yourself. So I, I pray, Lord, today for all the moms. I just pray a blessing over these moms today. And I pray that, um, Lord, that you would draw them to this altar if that's where you want them to be. And, Lord, regardless of what they do, whether they come to this altar or pray in their seat or whether they go out to, to all the things they have to do today, I just pray that your spirit would continue to draw them and continue to confirm to them that they're not alone, that you see them and that you hear them and that you know them and that you're with them every step of the way. Lord, I pray that you draw every person to this altar today, no matter the circumstance, draw them to this altar, and I pray that you would meet them here, Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.